because we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the January 19th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. Voice of America. The Voice of America is once again a proud broadcasting partner of the Men's Basketball Africa League, or BAL, which tips off its third season on March 11th in Dakar, Senegal. The league recently held a two-day scouting combine in Paris. BAL President Amadou Gallofal gives us details. Uh, the BAL Combine is one of the key uh, tent poles or events uh, uh, that we have uh, ahead of our season three. Uh, this is an opportunity for all our teams that traveled here, the 12 teams, send representation. We gathered a group of 30 players, uh, many of them with NBA ecosystem experience that played in the G League, they played in universities. Uh, those players are here, and along with some coaches that we brought, Coach Prince Snyder, who is the, uh, the director of this combine, and Jaime Metupan, the head coach of the French national team, who many, for many years uh, was the head coach at INSAP that produced so many uh, talented players from France in the NBA. Uh, Lamine Kebe, who is the coach of the under-18 uh, French national team. So all these experts working with a group of 30 players uh, to put them through different tests and, and drills, uh, including testing their uh, physical abilities, their degree of athleticism uh, beyond the measurement, and then we'll see them on the court. So the it's essentially for the BAL teams to have an opportunity uh, to come and view a talent pool and add to their rosters. At the end of the day, we're looking to improve the product on the court. The quality of basketball on the court is what we want to see continue to improve. We've seen tremendous improvement from season one to season two. We are looking to build on that momentum for season three. BAL president Amadou Gallofal says season three will once again feature a caravan format. Fifteen games will be played at the Dakar Arena in Senegal from March 11th to March 21st. Fifteen more games will be played at the Hassan Mustafa Indoor Sports Complex in Cairo, Egypt from April 26th to May 6th and an eight-game single elimination playoffs and BAL finals will be held at the BK Arena in Kigali, Rwanda from May 21st to May 27th. I was at the BK Arena last year when U.S. Monastir of Tunisia beat Petro de Luanda of Angola 83-72 to to win the BAL championship. In this sunny side of sports highlight for 2022, let's listen to my post-game report. Monastir rallied from a seven-point halftime deficit, outscoring Petro by five points in the third quarter, and then pulling away in the fourth quarter when they tallied 26 points to 13 for the Angolan club. American guard Michael Dixon and Tunisian forward Firas Layani led Monastir with 21 points each. 
Dixon was named the Basketball Africa League's most valuable player. Lukeni Guncalva scored a game-high 28 points for Petro. Meanwhile, Sudan-born big man Otter James Majok scored 14 points, had four rebounds, and blocked one shot for Monastir. Majok won the Dikembe Mutombo Defensive Player of the Year award. For his part, Basketball Hall of Famer Mutombo sat courtside for the Monastir Petro final, which was played in front of a near-capacity crowd at the BK Arena here in Kigali. Monastir's Ivorian international Suleiman Diabate scored four points and also had three rebounds and three assists. Diabate is the first two-time BAL champion. He played for 2021 winner Zamalek, which beat FAP of Cameroon on Friday night in the third place game. The Basketball Africa League says it's committed to gender equity. One sign of that on Saturday evening was the Mexican female referee Hortensia Sanchez Carrizales, one of three refs on the court. The 2023 Basketball Africa League final will also be played here in Kigali. You can follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook, Twitter, and at voaafrica.com. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. My Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. And if you go to voaafrica.com, you can listen to the sunny side of sports and other VOA programs online. For world news, go to voanews.com. Nigeria's Quara Falcons are looking forward to their debut appearance in the Basketball Africa League. Iron Mike Mbonye asked Falcons head coach Baba Jabril about the team's BAL preparations. We are preparing at least we are doing our best because you know this is the first time ever we'll be in this kind of stage. So at least we will not leave any stone untouched. So we are really, really preparing. At least we want to represent and we want to be, we want to represent very well. As you are aware, the third edition of the Basketball Africa League is scheduled to start a match, according to the organizers. The teams will be divided into two, the Sahara Conference and the Nile Conference. There are some big names that will take part in the Basketball Africa League. I'm talking about Zamalek of Egypt, Petro de Luanda of uh, Angola, Defending champion U.S. Monastery of Tunisia. Is Quara Falcons scared on hearing these names? Definitely, those are teams that have big budgets. They've been there for a long time, back to back, you know, and in every tournament, you know, experience counts. At least they started from our, like the way we are starting now. So we're not scared. It's basketball. 
You understand? We repair well. We have good materials and everything. We can compete. You know? They, they too started like us. You understand? So, definitely, we too will compete. It's, it's five on five. As you prepare for the uh, Basketball Africa League, do you have plans to recruit new players, both local and uh, international players, to fortify your team for the uh, obviously, tournament? Obviously. Uh, unless you don't want to do well, you understand? You have to, you have to fortify your team. You have to, like, beef up your team. You know, that level is different from the local level we are. Definitely. That. They are every kind of players, you know. It's another level which everybody wants to be, and we don't want to go there and 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 I mean not do well. At least we are going to we are going to pick for our team from international and local, definitely. And um, have you started the process, coach? Yeah, gradually we are starting. You know, everything is funds. You understand? Everything is funds. You know, you can't just bring anybody. You can't just bring people together without ready for all their all their needs and all this to do well. But hopefully we are going to get sponsors, you understand, which we are really working on. And the government governments I mean, we are hoping there is going they are going to help us, you understand, which they are trying to do. And I believe everything will go well. This is the first time Quara Falcons will take part in the basketball African League. What message do you have for your fans at home and abroad? Being the first time, you know, we really appreciate, which is the dream of why Kuala Falcons is being, I mean, is being created. And for our fans, you know, they believe in us because it's not, we've been like, we've been close to it many times. And now we, and they stayed by us till when we've, I mean, eventually realize. Why the team is with them, you know, I really appreciate them and we are not going to let them down. You understand? We still need their prayers and support. Coach, can you tell us a little bit about the history of Kwara Falcons? When the club was set up, how long it has been playing in the Nigerian Basketball League? Well, the Kwara Falcons has been on, I think, since 1980. You know, it has been ups, downs, you no know, been going on and on for a longer since 1980. You know, there are people that have played, they've retired, some are dead. And so we've been very close to this. I think three or four years ago, we came second. But then Ball has not been unveiled yet, but at least we're getting close to win the Premier League, I mean the Premier Basketball League. The year twice, the next, the next edition we came third. You understand? So and eventually we won it. You understand? So it has been gradual development, progress, till eventually we got it. That's Baba Jabril, the head coach of Quara Falcons Basketball Club. And he spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Eloran, Nigeria. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. This is the voice of America. Washington, ba 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 D.C.
The Basketball Africa League is a partnership between the International Basketball Federation, FIBA, and the National Basketball Association, the NBA. The sunny side of sports remembers former NBA player and coach Chris Ford, who died Tuesday at the age of 74. Ford was born in Atlantic City, New Jersey. The press of Atlantic City newspaper said Ford died after he had a heart attack this month. During his NBA playing career, Chris Ford was a guard for the Detroit Pistons and the Boston Celtics. He was a member of Boston's 1981 championship team, which also featured Larry Bird. After becoming the Celtics head coach in 1990, Chris Ford had this to say. I think it's very high. Uh, I think there's nothing like winning a championship. But uh, I've enjoyed the uh, success, as you said, and I think this ranks right up there. And uh, I just hope that I can get the job done. In a statement, the Celtics said, and I quote, As a player and coach, Chris Ford's career spanned over a decade of Celtics basketball, and he made his mark every step of the way. Joining us now with more NBA news is the AP's Josh Roundtree. The Heat won in blowout fashion over New Orleans. More from Tom Miriam. The Miami Heat got off to a hot start and easily defeated the New Orleans Pelicans 124-98. Miami never trailed, jumping out to a 70-51 halftime lead. Jimmy Butler scored 18 points, adding seven assists to key the Heat to their fourth win in their last five games. As long as everybody's comfortable, everybody's, you know, accepting their role and playing it to the T, which we are, we're a really good basketball team. Dam Adebayo was the high scorer with 26 points as seven Heat players reached double figures against the Pelicans team that played without stars Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. I'm Tom Merriam. Steven Adams had a late tip-in to give Memphis a 115-114 victory over Cleveland. The Grizzlies and coach Taylor Jenkins have won a franchise record tying 11 straight games. It's great for us. We'll watch the film tomorrow, talk about the winning plays that we made, and a lot of that's just the poise and being able to not having had a game like this. The execution that we had defensively and offensively is very impressive. We've got to build on it because you know this is not the last time we're going to see a game like this. In Denver, Nikola Jokic became the Nuggets' all-time leader in assists with his 14th triple-double of the season. He had 31 points, 11 rebounds, and 13 assists in a 122-118 win over Minnesota. In college hoops, Seton Hall got a last-second layup from Casey and Defoe, knocking off 15th-ranked UConn 67-66, and Defoe scored 14 points in the win. This was a big game. You know, we, we uh, tip our hats off to UConn. You know, they're a great team with great players. And, uh, you know, I feel like our team came in and we were locked in on defense and offense. And, you know, we just clicked today and happy we got the win. DePaul upset 8th-ranked. Xavier 73-72 and West Virginia dropped 14th ranked TCU 74-65. I'm Josh Roundtree. Thanks, Josh. This is Colonel Sam Amedu, retired president FIBA Africa Zone 3. You are once more listening to Sunny Side of Sports on the Voice of America. Thank you very much and have a good day. VOA Africa would like to hear from you. Send us a text message or a voice note on WhatsApp 24-7. Leave a comment, request, or send us a greeting, and you could be hearing your message on VOA Africa. Simply dial the international code plus one, then 202-258-3076. 
We are always happy to hear from you. The number again is international code plus one, then 202-258-3076. VOA Africa, your trusted source for news, sports, entertainment and music. Hello, this is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Hello sports fans, this is Paul Tergat, marathon champion from Kenya. You are listening to the Sony side of sports on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Paul Turgett has been named an ambassador of the World Athletics Cross Country Championships scheduled for February 18th in Bathurst, New South Wales, Australia. Paul Turgat is one of the greats of long-distance running, and it was in cross-country that Paul's success story really began. The first of his five individual World Cross Country crowns was claimed in Durham, Britain, in 1995, and Paul Turgat would go on to win the gold at the next four editions of the World Cross Country Championships. As for the venue of this year's World Cross Country Championships, Paul Turgat also has the experience of racing in Australia. Turgat competed in an epic 10,000-meter final at the 2000 Sydney Olympics, where he pushed Ethiopia's Haile Gebrselassie all the way before ultimately ending up with the silver medal. That was one of the greatest races in the stellar careers of both Paul Turgat and Haile Gebrselassie. Some sad football news from the Middle East. At least one person was killed and dozens injured Thursday in a stampede outside a football stadium in Iraq. Thousands of fans without tickets had gathered outside the stadium in Iraq's southern city of Basra hours before the Gulf Cup final between Iraq and Oman. Video posted on Voice of America social media showed fans climbing palm trees and scaling walls to get inside the stadium. Police with batons tried to restore order. 
Hello, I'm Carol Castiel, host of Encounter. A former Mexican vice minister of trade joins the vice president of the Council of the Americas and America Society to analyze the outcome of the annual Three Amigos Summit, where the leaders of Canada, Mexico, and the United States met to discuss thorny issues of trade, immigration, and other key issues affecting their region. The promise and perils facing the Western Hemisphere, next, this Saturday and Sunday, on The Voice of America. Thanks, Carol. Carol's program announcement reminds me, the three amigos, Mexico, Canada, and the United States, are the host countries for the 2026 FIFA World Cup football tournament. The 2026 World Cup will be the first to feature 48 teams expanded from the 32 that competed at the recent FIFA World Cup in Qatar. Now, the USA will host the bulk of the World Cup matches in 2026. The United States is scheduled to host 60 matches, including every match from the quarterfinals onward. Neighbors Canada and Mexico will each host 10 matches. And who knows? Maybe they'll end up calling it the Three Amigos World Cup. The Three Amigos, Si Senor. Brazilian great Pele, the only player in history to lift the World Cup trophy three times, died December 29th at the age of 82 after a long battle with colon cancer. The football icon had friends all over the world, including South Africa, where Pele successfully lobbied for the country to host the 2010 FIFA World Cup. In this encore sunny side of sports presentation, Darren Taylor in Johannesburg tells us about two men who played against Pelé. Cruzou para trás, dominou, fez o passe do Pelé, furou, voltou, Pelé emendou lá dentro! Gol! Augusto Palacios says he fell in love with football and with Pelé when he watched him score a hat-trick against France in the 1958 World Cup semi-final. His eight-year-old eyes gazed at the TV screen in awe as the 17-year-old Brazilian tormented the French. Pelé's team would go on to beat Sweden in the final, with Palacios later finding a place in the midfield of Peru's national team. In 1973, I had the opportunity to play against him. And obvious, I met him, obvious, in Argentina. In Buenos Aires, also I met him in, when I was the team manager, Mafana Afana, in the World Cup in France, and also, also in Confederation. Palacios was 21 when he lined up for his Peruvian club, Sporting Cristal, against Pele's Brazilian side, Santos, in a Copa Libertadores fixture. The Copa Libertadores is South America's equivalent of the African Champions League. Palacios says he was surprised by Pele's relatively small stature. His height was 1.73, but the way he jumped over the ball, looking the goal he scored in 1970 against Italy, the heading goal, it was unbelievable. The body aspect, the strong with the ball to protection, the ball in the dribbling, unbelievable. And remember also... He laughs and says he couldn't touch Pele on the field and had to make do with handshakes and backslaps off the pitch. His background is, is unbelievable. He never lost his passion or humble aspect from where he came because he came from 
very, very poor family. He was a very, very poor person, you know, who was selling a newspaper and magazine and clean shoes in the street. Age 13 years is when... According to the Peruvian, it says a lot about the kind of person Pele was that he chose to remain loyal to Santos rather than moving to a top European club. One can only imagine, says Palacios, what Pele could have achieved with Real Madrid, for example. Yet, says Palacios, Pele's name still became synonymous with the beautiful game, and he won every trophy he ever competed for. Five Copa Libertadores, two Intercontinental Cup, three World Cup, two goal scorer, 1,000, 2,000 goal, he was my hero. I can't copy him, but I can enjoy watching him. Another South African footballing personality who interacted with Pele is Kaiser Motohong, the founder of top club side Kaiser Chiefs. In 1968, Motong was playing as a 24-year-old striker for Atlanta Chiefs in the United States. Santos drove hard against the Chiefs to keep their lead. Paley, number 10, maintained his standing as the world's number one player. Grainy archive footage shows Pele bursting through the Chiefs' defense to smash the ball into the net past an onrushing goalkeeper. Motong says he remembers almost every second of the game. The occasion itself was unbelievable because we knew that we're not only playing against a team called Santos, we're playing against the greatest of all time. He says the tens of thousands of fans in the stadium had obviously come to see Pele, and Pele only, and that was just fine by him. They beat us 6-2. And he scored about three goals. I must say I was very happy because I also scored one goal in that game. As a football administrator, Motong met Pele on many occasions, especially during the 2010 World Cup in South Africa. He was an unbelievable character on and off the field. But off the field, he was such a humble person. You would not believe that he was a top athlete throughout the world and somebody who was seen as the best in the whole world. Motong says of all the famous political figures, musicians, authors and sports people he's met, Pele remains the only one he places on the same pedestal as Mandela. A global icon, but with the humanity and humility to make everyone around him feel significant. For the sunny side of sports, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. Thanks, Darren. Turning to tennis, Serbian star Novak Djokovic overcame a tight hamstring muscle in his leg and a heckler in Melbourne to advance to the third round Thursday at the Australian Open. Djokovic defeated French qualifier Enzo Kwaku in four sets, the final score, 6-1, 6-7, 6-2, and 6-love. After the match, Djokovic talked about his hamstring injury. I am worried. I mean, I cannot say that I'm not, um, and I have reason to be worried. But at the same time, uh, I have to accept the circumstances and try to adjust myself with my team. And my physio and medical team has been doing everything possible so that I could be able to play every match. During the match, Djokovic took a medical timeout while a trainer retaped his leg. 
He also could be seen propping up his left shoe on a courtside sign so he could stretch out that hamstring muscle. And as if he needed another distraction, Djokovic was also bothered Thursday by a heckler. What I have a problem with is that when somebody's crossing the line numerous times, you know, and from the very beginning, guys that were under influence of alcohol was obvious, particularly one guy that, you know, you heard his voice various times tonight, was, you know, insulting me and provoking me and saying things that were not respectful at all. In other results from Melbourne, American Jensen Brooksby scored the biggest win of his career by beating the Australian Open second seed Casper Rudd in four sets. Talk to us, Jensen! Yeah, it was really exciting to be out there on such a big stage like that. I always always enjoy and um, treasure those atmospheres, you know. And I thought I've, my, I've been competing really well lately, and... I'm just I'm, I'm happy happy to pull through that. I thought I've been I've been focusing really well, training hard, playing well, and I'm happy to see the results. And uh, you know, at the same time, just try to try to keep see how long I can keep doing it day after day. Jensen Brooksby is currently ranked 39th in the world, and he's making his Australian Open debut. He was supposed to enter a year ago, but he came down with COVID-19 the day before he was scheduled to fly to Australia. And that wraps up the January 19th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports.